Because on Simply Right, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Simply Right. I'm Polly and this is the podcast where we talk about carving out a writing career and living the writer's life. And it can be done, I'll tell you what, but lately I've been super frustrated. I've got a stack of stuff on my desk. I'm doing all kinds of different things. Um, all writing related, they all come back to writing. But, you know, writing a podcast is a much different experience than writing essay or a post for Psychology Today or a Substack column or a chapter from my fiction book or an article for a magazine. And I have a bunch of different things in progress and I'm not doing a good job juggling all those. Some things are getting more attention than they need right now because I'm really compelled by them and other things are getting dropped until the last minute and I feel really unsettled by that. So how do you juggle multiple projects? Because I think living in this writing world, it really comes down to that. Not only what we want to do creatively, I'm interested in a a whole lot of different writing projects. Personally, I get curious about things. I want to up my writing chops. And so I'm experimenting and doing some things I haven't done before, just to stretch a little, become a better writer. I think when we become a better writer in one style or genre, fiction or nonfiction, that it really uh, follows to all the things we're doing. I'm, I'm working on a fiction project, which is completely new to me. And when I'm doing that, the things I'm learning there definitely make my nonfiction writing better. And the same is true for the fiction. I specialize in nonfiction. I've written several books and hundreds of articles, uh, nonfictioning, right? And, and the things I've learned in that process definitely uh, follow to the fiction writing. So I think it's okay to do a bunch of different projects. But sometimes I do that better than other times. And this week I've been frustrated by um, my lack of focus, maybe, or the way um, I'm putting my focus or shifting my focus. I'm not sure. It's something that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. So I'm curious to those of you out there that are, you know, working on your novel while paying the bills with content marketing or the other forms you do. How do you juggle it all? You can hit me up on Simply Write com. Paid subscribers can comment, receive feedback on their work, ask questions of me, get bonus excerpts and materials. But right now the column is accessible to everyone. So to chime in, take a look there. And uh, if you want to comment or you have some feedback on this, join the Simply Write community. And we can talk about because I'm always looking for ideas, even after all these years about how to manage my schedule. I think for me and for many writers I know, managing that schedule between family and life and writing and creating, because I think sometimes it's a different process. And then the business of creating a writer's life is the biggest challenge that I face. How to juggle it all. And I think that's true of any job, really, particularly for people that are also parenting or have other things uh, that they're super interested in doing in their life it's it's a 
juggling act for any job. Writing is no different. But for me, I need to have a certain amount of quiet time or focus time to really get into the writing work. I spend all my time thinking about it, right? Or sending out invoices or coordinating new projects or developing new projects, whatever it is. But when it comes to the writing time, I need some downtime at the computer to really do that work. And when my mind is messy and my desk is cluttered with all these projects, that's harder for me some days. So I'm always curious about how other people do that. And that brings us to the dailies. So I've already given you a hint about what my day looks like. Um, Today, I am actually doing a quick draft of a psychology article that uh, I'm trying to get the rough draft out because I have to go out of town for a few days and I want to come back to something on the page. So even though it's not due for a week, I want to get the quick draft out. Some people call this the vomit draft. I used to. It's kind of the the draft where you take what you know and just throw it all out on the page. And then that gives you a starting point to come back and and really write it or really revise it. So that's what I'm going to do today. Um, Because I don't want to come back from this trip next week and have to start from scratch. So I feel like if I get something on the page, it'll be easier to work on for me. Okay, so I'm going to write that quick draft of psychology piece. I am going to revise an early chapter in the novel while writing a later chapter in the book. Now, I tried this process before when I started the book to uh, uh, continue writing and go back revise, and it didn't work. I didn't know the story well enough, and I kept getting off track and losing my way. Now I'm really far down in the story, and... I'm finding it much easier to finish the first draft of the book while I'm revising some of the earlier chapters that I haven't looked at in a while. The story is better informed. So I want to revise and draft a new chapter. So that's a big day. That's a lot of work while doing the quick draft. I'm scheduling guests for the Simply Write show. So who do you want to hear on the show? Let me know. Reach out on Substack or through email. Let me know who you'd like to hear, which authors you'd like to hear on the show, because I am uh, hearing from a lot of them. They're excited to be a part of this, and I'm thrilled. And I'm also reaching out to people that I think we can learn from, people that I want to know whose stories compel me or whatever, and some new people too, like Art Taylor Last week, I didn't know his work, and now I can't get it out of my head. So go back and listen to that if you're interested in crime fiction, if you're interested in short stories. Uh, He writes novels and short stories, and he's a professor. So I'm scheduling for the podcast today. I need to do a wash (laughs) because I have no black pants for this trip, and I'm going to need black pants. I am picking up my daughter at school, getting her to a haircut. Wow, okay, now that I'm talking about this, I have a lot to do before the end of the day. So let's get going. Okay, today we're talking process for our craft talk. Um, I'm going to share with you three things that I think are really essential to make your work better. Because I know that they've made my work better over the years. And there was a long time I didn't do all three of these things. And it's when I started adding them in that things got a lot clearer to me, that my revisions were a lot tighter and a lot easier to do, really. It made for better work. Now, there's a lot of rules in writing. I'm sure you hear about it. Show, don't tell, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? And 
I think really writing is about finding your best process, identifying the time that you work the best, and then doing that thing every day, or as often as you can, or at least some days, right? Get the writing down. So the rules I think you take them or leave them based on what helps you get your best work done. Now, the caveat is, I think these three things I'm going to talk about, this part of my process, will help you get the work done, and it'll make it better work. And that's what we're going for, because if we're going to spend this creative energy and physical energy and emotional energy writing these great things, I want people to read them, and I want people to pay me for them, right? Editors, I want them to buy my work, because that's how I buy dog food and beer and the things we use around here. That's how I pay my bills, right? So it is important to me that not only do I write something I'm proud of that people, readers want to read, but I want the market to want to buy them too. I want editors to buy them and I want publishers to want my books because that's how I make a living. That's how I make my income. And I want readers to enjoy the books and my articles because then they'll read more and then publishers and editors will want more. So it's important to me, not only just for my own self-worth and sanity that I'm putting out good work, but I want it to be good work that others also want because that's where the career part comes in. And there are three things that I do with every piece. And the time I spend on these three things differs depending on my deadlines, the timeline for the projects, the length of the project. But these are three things. And I think if you incorporate these things into your process, and it takes a little planning, but I think if you incorporate these three things into your process, your writing and revision process, your work will immediately become better. You'll have greater clarity and it'll become easier to write. Okay, so here's in a nutshell, how my process works. And in the weeks to come, I'll share more pieces about, you know, the days or specific projects I'm working on. But these things happen all the time. And the the obvious one is I write. And I touched on it earlier in the dailies, a quick draft. A lot of people call this the vomit draft or the throw. It's basically just taking what you know about your character or your story, taking the research you have for your essay or your article and throwing it up on the page in some kind of structure. If I have a question that I don't have the answer to yet, I may put in question marks and that'll hold me when I come back to it and remind me I need to do a little more research or I need to come up with a way out of this corner that I've worked the character into. Whatever it is, when I know I'm ready to write, I've accumulated the research I need or or most of it, or I have a a firm idea of what I want to do with a scene in my mind and I'm ready to write, I throw it out on the page as fast as I can, just as it comes into my head. Now, this requires some discipline for me because as I throw it up, um, it can be messy or there are pieces that I know automatically aren't working already. And I want to go back and I want to fix it all and make it perfect right then. And sometimes I do a little of that if it's pretty obvious and I know what the solution is. You know, I'll just take out a sentence here or there and and tighten it on the page. But no matter what I do in this point, the deal is to get the words on the page so the ideas start to coalesce, not only on the page, but in my head. Because when I leave that quick draft, I'm going to be thinking about it for the rest of the day or the rest of the 
the morning or whatever it is. Sometimes I'll even come back that day and add to it or start working on it then. But I always feel better when I get something on the page. So I feel like that's the shape. If I do the quick draft, I can do it in 20 minutes. Sometimes it's longer if I if it's a longer piece or I tinker with it more. But you know, an hour or a couple hours just getting it out, then it's almost a relief because the writing really happens in the revision. That's when we come back and see our framework and add the, the juice in and, and create the structure or, or solidify the structure. And so having something on the blank page feels better to me always. So that's the first step of my process. I do the quick draft. I write it out. Then I'll come back and tweak it, like I said. And the next part is when I get it closer to a finished product, when I have gone through and done those early revisions and really straightened out that quick draft and got it into a workable piece, I'll let it chill. Now, my mentor in college, who's a great magazine writer and songwriter, incidentally, she said, you got to let it chill for two weeks, at least two weeks. Now, working in newspaper and working on magazines and doing uh, some content marketing stuff, I don't always have two weeks. And sometimes that's a result of poor planning as well on my part, right? I'll get something out and then I'll realize, oh, okay, I got to keep moving this forward because my deadline is like in three days. Let it chill for as long as you can. Set it aside, move on to other projects, let it percolate in the back of your mind, but don't mess with it. Even after I've tinkered on the quick draft, I got it into what I think is a publishable piece. And at this stage, I've worked on it quite a bit and I think it's close. I try to let it sit for as long as I can because when I come back to that after the chill period, man, I can see things that I could do better or need to work around or things that aren't quite gelling or making sense or a structure that is missing one of the points or whatever it is, right? So you do the quick draft, you come back around, you tinker on it over the next few days, but then you want a chill period before you submit the thing. The next part of my process is after the chill period, I come back to it and I print it out and I read it aloud. Now often I can hear the article in my head as I'm reading on the computer screen, but it never fails to surprise me, even after all these years, how pretty things look on the computer screen, right? And when we're reading through it, we might fix a word here and there or a line right before we send it out to editors, right? And it's easy to do that, but when we make those kind of changes, we can miss the effect it has on the overall piece. Print it out. Take it to a different office space, a different chair, a chair in your reading room or in the kitchen or wherever you go and read it on paper and read it aloud to yourself. I take a pencil with me or a green pen. Usually I don't use red pens because they stress me out. <laughs> like my English teacher, you know, all the corrections they would make on my pages. So I use a graining. And as I'm reading, I mark the places I stumble where I find solutions to them because the reader is going to hear these words in their head, right? And I need to hear them aloud so I can hear them in mind. And this is a great way to see where the bumps and bruises are, where things don't make sense, where there are too many sentence fragments or the humor doesn't carry or the wrong word just ruins the rhythm and the pacing of the piece, 
read it aloud. With my books, what I've done is I've gone through, you know, many, many revisions on the computer and, and individual chapters by hand too. But at the end of it, I will send the file to like a print shop and they will print out the entire manuscript for me and put it in a manuscript box, a paper box, and I'll pick that up and I'll come home and I'll read the manuscript, usually at my favorite little bar fireside, <laughs> you know, and I'll read it aloud first, not at the bar, and then I'll go back through and read it on the page and make the changes. And then if the edits were demanding, if they really required a lot, I'll come back and read it aloud again. It's an important part of my process. I think it'll make your work better. And finally, you come back and you revise again. You revise on the page while you're reading aloud. Revise, revise, revise. We're going to have a whole show on revision. It's not editing, okay, the way I look at editing. Revising is cutting out entire pages or changing whole chapters to fit, putting them in different order. It's the heavy lifting of the piece. I think of editing in my process as more of the polishing. It's when the revisions have been done, when the process is complete, I've let it chill, I've read it aloud, and, and I've done the heavy lifting and revision. Now I'm going to come back and look at individual words and punctuation and sentences piece by piece before I send it off to the editor. But revision for me is the heavy lifting and it's equally as important to writing for me as the writing itself. I think it's all the same thing because this is where you take the raw material, the words on the page, and you shape it into something that people can understand, that are likely to interpret things the way you intended. Think about that. We're taking something out of our mind. We're sending it out in the world so that more people than not can understand our intent and our ideas. And with the way communication is, that's tricky, right? We have to get close to that because we all look at the world differently. Readers certainly are going to bring their own experience to the page when they're reading whatever you've written. So we got to get as close as we can using words and structure and pacing and tension and details and all those things that we talk about in good writing. We've got to do those things, use those tools in the best way that we can so that what we intend with our story, with our article, with our post, with our podcast is interpreted by many, many people, not just our mother, in the way we intended. That's a big deal. That's a big job. And it happens in revision. Build in time for this in your process. This is the heavy lifting. This is where you will make your piece into something that's jumbled and maybe confusing and emotional into something that really conveys, really tells the story, really expands the emotion that the reader feels in the way that you want. So it leaves a lasting impression. And this is key too. Long after I revise my pieces and then edit them and then send them to my publisher, who then will send it through other editors, she'll read it and, and send notes. Or, and after that, they usually send it on to other copy editors. My editors at magazines or at Psychology Today, they, they read it, tweak things. And magazine editors, sometimes they'll 
you know, want something completely different or they'll come back and say, I'd like to see more on this or I need another quote from this guy, whatever it is. So even after you've done this heavy lifting, you're likely to get notes from your editors and publishers and that's okay. But you want it to be easy for them to read too so that together you can collaborate and make the whole piece better. That happens in the revision. So don't short yourself here. This is the difference between work that gets published and work that doesn't, I think. It's the people who spend time in this phase and do it till it's done. Now, how do you know when it's done? I'm going to answer that question for you when we come right back to Simply Write with Polly on the Creators Network of Electric House. And we are back. Hello, I'm Polly, and you're listening to Simply Write with Polly. And this is the podcast where we talk about creating a writing career and living the writer's life right here on the Creators Network of Electricast. Right before we went to break, we were talking about the steps of process that I use every time. And there are a lot of rules in writing. I think the deal with writing is you need to find your own way, create a process that works for you and do that thing, right? But these are the things I do every time with everything I write because it makes my work so much better. So if you're gonna follow anything, I suggest you try these and see how they work for you. Ultimately, it's about creating better work and selling more of it, publishing more of it, right? Because when we can do that, we're gonna make the income that allows us to do more writing. And that's really what it's all about for me. I want the income not only to support my family, this is a job for me, but also because as long as I'm making some money here, then I get to do more writing. So what we're talking about here is do your quick draft. Right? Throw up what you know after you've done your research and prepared to write. Throw up everything you know in a quick draft. And then work on that until it's coming together in some structure and, and you get closer to the finished product. As soon as you get to that point and you think you're almost there, let it chill. Wait two weeks or two days or two months. Go as long as you can. Let it sit there because I promise you, when you come back to that piece with fresh eyes, you'll have a greater sense of what you can improve on. It makes a big difference. Then print it out and read it aloud. After you've made the revisions and the chill phase, more tweaks, right? moving things around, cutting passages out, then print it out and read it aloud. I've done this with all my books because how it looks on the page when I'm sitting in my recliner as opposed to when it's all fancy on the computer and making little tweaks as I go along is such a different experience. I take the whole manuscript out to the chair. I leave time for this in my deadline schedule. I take the whole manuscript out to the chair. I sit there and I read it aloud when everybody's out at school and work with a green pen in hand. And I make changes as I go on the page. So I hear the way the language bumps or I feel it when I'm reading where the pacing is slow, where things don't quite work. Don't leave this part out. Print it out, read it aloud. And then bring those changes that you've made on the physical page back to the computer and start revising. This is the heavy lifting, but do not short yourself this revision time. This can be the longest part of the process for me in writing. I will get the whole chapter out or the whole article out and I will maybe write that in an hour or two weeks or whatever it takes and come back and spend weeks on the revision. 
depending on what I'm months even on a book. So don't short yourself. This is where the heavy lifting is. And this is where your intention takes form in a way that the readers will relate to and understand. And I think that's the most important part of the process for me. That's where the real work starts. Okay. And then you're probably close to done. But how do you know? I get this question a lot. And I still don't have a good answer after all these years. For me, it's really intuitive. I know when I know. I know when I've conveyed the thoughts that I wanted to convey or supported the points that the article needs to spell out or the scene is complete in the story and I'm at a place where there's a good amount of tension and so the energy is going to carry into the next chapter. So the more you do this, the more in tune you'll become with the work you're doing and you'll have a sense sometimes even before you begin about where it needs to end and how it needs to end. I think this stage requires discipline though because the piece isn't finished just when you're tired of it. I have revised passages I counted once for a class I was doing and that in a small paragraph alone 54 times right and other passages are a, a sentence or two just quick. They're they're good and I, I let that go. But it's easy to get bored and tired by your own work at the end when you've been working on it months or a year or years, whatever it is. And it's, it's easier to say, good, I've done what I can do, I'm done. And that's when you go back to the process we just talked about and you let it chill for as long as you can, a month or two or whatever. You take a break from it, you go on to some other work, then you bring it out and you read it on the page, you read it aloud and you go back to the revision process. Now that's if you have the time. A lot of the work I do is for client work or publications and I'm on deadline. So sometimes, in all honesty, my piece is done when it's deadline day. Now, I've put the things in motion weeks before. I don't wait to the last minute anymore. Too much going on. So I will have the piece wound up. But I think often there are a lot of ways to make things better. And so I'll tinker with it right up until the last minute sometimes. And so my piece finishes <laughs> when, when it's deadline time and I have to get it in. That's another way to tell. A big thing in the other work is when I'm repeating the changes, when I'm adding in things I took out a couple hours before, when I'm revising things back to how I had them originally, when I'm making changes that are making the piece more muddled, that's a sign I need to be done. I need to let it chill. I need to send it out to a reader. I need to get it out to my editor or I need to just turn it in. Okay. Another way to know when you're done is if the questions for the character are resolved or answered, the resolution in your book might be vague for the character. Will she marry him? Will she not? Right? That might not be answered, but there's a resolution when the question is left hanging there. And if it's something you don't intend to answer in that book, that's the end of your book, right? If the resolution, if the question is brought up in the book, you need to answer most of them. If those have been addressed, if the story is told, the story is done. Um, the more you do this, you will get that intuitive sense I was talking about and you'll know, okay, this is what I can do. Now, I have been at readings 
with my own books appearing at bookstores or on podcasts where I'm reading a passage from my book and I can see changes even then years later that I would like to make because that's how writing works. It's subjective. We bring to it as a reader something different than we bring to it as a writer. Okay, because we have our own experiences, we've grown older, we see things new ways. So it's likely there will always be something down the road that you'll think, oh, dang, I could have done that better, or I should have done it this way. But you need to approach yourself with self compassion, the work is done, when the questions are resolved, when the changes you're making now are more muddled, or where you're in such a state of fear that you can't release it, that's when you need to put it down. And that's when you need to let it go. And that's when it's ready for the next step, your editor or publisher or beta reader, however you're gonna go into the next part of your process. All right, what's in the dust today? This is a simple one, friends. It's a Ticonderoga pencil. And yes, it has to be the Ticonderoga. And no, I don't know why. It's just my pencil. And I have, I'm looking at three of them right now. Um, they're all sharpened at various degrees. I use the number two soft because I don't know, this is just the classic pencil and it's uh, also expensive, but I don't need a whole lot. I use them mostly for editing when I print them out on the page and I'll circle things back or mark things off or erase plenty of things. But often when I'm working, like when I'm doing a podcast, I just hold one in my hand. There's something very soothing about having a pencil. It feels just like an extension after all these years of schooling. So that's what's in the desk. Nothing too fancy, but makes me feel good. So think about your process week, not just getting the words down, but what do you do after that? How do you make the piece better as you go? And what can you incorporate into your schedule? Some of the things we talked about perhaps, the chill period, the reading out loud on page, and then extensive revision. What will you add in to make your piece better? It's not just about getting it on the page. It's about what we do with it after the words are down. And that's all part of the writing process. And please join us at simplywrite.substack.com. Become part of our community. You can subscribe there to comment, receive feedback on your work and bonus materials, including tip sheets and author interviews and that kind of thing. And if you like what you hear today, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with a friend. Those reviews take a few minutes of our time to do. And believe me, I do them too, because I want this kind of work to continue. I want access to this kind of stuff myself. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I always go in to review because these reviews make it possible for this work to continue. Remember as you head into your day, the words from Pearl S. Buck, who said, I don't wait for moods. You accomplish nothing if you do that. Your mind must know it has got to get down to work. All right, writers, sit down today, get to work, and simply write. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.
Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.